0: BFM 89.9, good morning. You are listening to The Morning Run. It's 6am on Thursday, the 15th of September. And it's all Friday vibes for us here because even though it's Thursday, tomorrow is a public holiday for Malaysia Day. So it's the start of a long weekend. I'm
1: Shazana Mukhtar with Wong Xiaoning. Selamat pagi. We're all looking forward to this long weekend, right? Uh, Malaysia celebrates the formation of it. 59 years. Can you imagine? Oh. Almost the big six zero, Almost, almost. But as a nation, not very old actually when you compare to some other countries. Not at all. Yeah, but progress being made, but a lot of progress also still not made. Indeed, indeed. We still have a long way to go to get to the heights that we want
0: to as a nation. Um, And we're going to have discussions on that throughout this morning. Uh, At 7.15, we'll be discussing proposals to enlarge the parliamentary seat allocation of Sabah and Sarawak under the MA63 agreement. We have Danish Prakash Chako of Tindak Malaysia weighing in on these developments. And really, I guess we can get a better understanding of just the political dynamics when Mm. it comes to Peninsula Malaysia and also Sabah and Sarawak. Yeah, and
1: I'm curious how easy is this process right? How much political will will there be? who's pushing for it? Is it just the East Malaysian politicians? Will the West Malaysian politicians give way? Uh, then at 7:30 we're going to discuss the criminal defamation laws in Malaysia and the implications of a case involving the itch with lawyer Srikat Pile. It was as we discussed
0: yesterday two editors over at The Edge were charged for mm. criminal defamation over reports that they did on penny stock volatility yeah, alleged, a few years ago
1: alleged penny stock manipulation
0: alleged penny well penny stock volatility for sure alleged stock manipulation yeah. um and we'll discuss what this means for media freedom and whether criminal def- defamation still has a place in
1: our yeah. uh, penal system in practicality because there are some countries which have actually made this uh, it's no longer a crime there's Correct. no such thing as criminal defamation if you think somebody has defamed you, then sue them in civil courts. We'll discuss that. And then at 7.45, we'll
0: talk about the socio-economic imbalance in East Malaysia and policy measures that are needed to push for equal development. Uh, we'll have Dr. Dayang Afiza Marikan of University of Malaysia, Sarawak on the line to tell us what she thinks. Uh, we'll have all this and more today on The Morning Run on the eve of Malaysia Day. So stay with us, BFM 89.9. BFM 89.9, that was cold chisel with flame trees. You are listening to The Morning Run. I'm Shazana Mukhtar with Huang Shaoning, 6.07am on Thursday, the 15th of September. Now, Shaoning Harrison Ford apparently was once asked in an interview whether anyone could replace him as Indiana Jones. And he just scoffed at that question. You know, he said, "I'm Indiana Jones. When I'm gone, he's gone." So, in wow. other words, yeah, yeah, talk about like confidence. Yeah. So he's saying he's
1: indispensable as the character, and there can be no other replacement. We've never heard of James Bond, is it? I guess not. Yeah. I mean, how many James Bonds have there been? At least five, six, seven. I can't even remember. Never heard of James Bond. Never heard of Doctor Who. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And there's a female Doctor Who also.
0: Okay. So. But not Indiana Jones. No, no, it's just Harrison Ford. And, um, you know, this concept of being indispensable in a role or character, that may apply in the movies, you know, it's Mm. arguable. But in the workplace, can anyone really be indispensable? No, and they shouldn't be. And they shouldn't want to be, right? No, no, no. That is the story that we're mulling over this morning. It's a piece in the Financial Times by Miranda Green, who argues very emphatically that people should not
1: be indispensable at work. Definitely. So let's look at it from different aspects, right? Let's look at it from the person who claims or thinks they're indispensable, the colleagues who are part of the group that think that this person is indispensable. And then let's think about the company, right? So there are many elements to it. Where, where shall we start, Shazana? Well, let us start with the individual, probably. The person who
0: feels that um, either he- they must become indispensable or that they are indispensable. Okay. And in a way, I can understand, especially in this age where job uncertainty, you know, you mm. see people being laid off in places. I get that you want to create the feeling of, oh, we can't lose this person. We may have to fire someone else, but this person, we need to keep them. I get mm. that. Um, but whether that's actually a good thing for the individual in the long no, run, no. I think that's uh, that's a big Question mark. Okay,
1: I'm going to say these three letters, which uh, usually we never mention, and it's uh, E-G-O, and that's not always a good thing, right? Because if you think you're indispensable, sometimes your head grows a little bit too big, right? And that's called ego. So how do you manage this? That's number one. Number two, maybe because you think you're indispensable, you never then look beyond your little toes to see what's out there in the wo- worldwide, you know, in terms of potential career opportunities elsewhere, right? And so to me, the other thing is, are you then not giving your fellow colleagues an opportunity... To also then contribute to the organization in terms of the tasks that you are doing. So, there are many elements to why it's not necessarily a good thing for you. I
0: feel like, from a development perspective as well, if, for example, the person who believes they're in- indispensable is mm. um, the boss or the leader of a team, you know, but um, if they feel that they can't be replaced, will they then work to train, you know, other people to take over that position? Will they work to uh, upskill the team so that they can all be doing the things
1: that that person is doing? In an ideal world, yes, that should be the situation. Uh, succession planning is always important. Um, and it doesn't work if the person thinks that, oh no, there's no one who can replace no, me. No, no, that's terrible. I mean, ugh, unless you're like really sendirian berhad where you're the really sendiri, la, you know, there's no other uh, other people, then it's possible. Or but, you're Harrison Ford. Or you're Harrison Ford. But if you, if there's more than two of you all, then you better have some sort of succession planning, right? And I think COVID-19 really has put a a light on the fact that we need to be super flexible. Mm. Um, We need to be able to just, you know, pivot from one thing to another because you never really know. And then, for example, when even here, when people got COVID, which became increasingly common in the last one year, we needed to adapt, right? So what happens if you're truly indispensable, but you're sick? Then Mm. what happens? Everything falls apart. That's ridiculous also, right? That's not how a company should operate. No, it really
0: shouldn't. Everyone
1: needs to be able to pull their weight on a team and do the different roles that the job requires. So let's look at it also from the colleague's perspective, right? If you have a boss or you have a fellow colleague who's indispensable, I'm going to be very brutally honest. Are you taking advantage of it? Are you enjoying it? Because you realise you can be a bit of a slacker. You don't have to pull your weight because you know that Miss or Mr. Capable will always fill in the blanks, will always carry things through. So sometimes you have to ask yourself this honest question, okay? Am I actually stepping up so that this person isn't indispensable. I'm also willing to play my role and carry my weight. Right. I absolutely agree with that. It works both ways. Is somebody being taken advantage of? Are you not doing what your full responsibilities entail? Yeah. Uh, All of that really needs to be considered. And I think finally, of course, we've got to talk about the company, right? I think companies, you know... They're just like human beings So if they see somebody that's just bending over backwards Just doing one thousand and one thing Sometimes it's easy to almost take advantage of it Why not? Because the person always delivers, right? There's no headache, there's no worry I can just sit back, something will happen Something will be delivered I just can't give that person that responsibility And whoa, it'll be done It'll be done Somehow it'll be done But when you think about it, is that necessarily the way an organisation should operate? What happens if that indispensable person one day decides that she is dispensable, he is dispensable? I just want to quit. I've had enough. I don't want to do this anymore. Then what happens? agreed and it works both ways either yeah. I feel like if, if you
0: feel you're, you're very secure in your company at the same time you know I feel like the company doesn't love you in the end it, it you know so being indispensable having that mindset probably not the best or most um uh, how to say positive uh positive thing to have tell us what you think do you have teammates in your workplace that you see as indispensable or who feel themselves indispensable is this a good thing is this a bad thing you can whatsapp us zero one eight seven Eight nine double eight double nine, or tweet us at BFM Radio. We are heading into some messages now. Six thirteen AM. We'll discuss the business of content creation next. BFM eighty nine point nine. BFM 89.9 that was Everybody Wants to Rule the World by Tears for Fears an 80s classic you are listening to The Morning Run I'm Shazana Mukhtar
1: with Wong Xiaoning I wonder whether this is Putin's theme song
0: (laughs) indeed perhaps maybe he wakes up to this this would be his alarm clock sound you know Mm, perhaps Perhaps. perhaps. it's mine at least (laughs) (laughs) it's a great song to wake up to in the morning 6.19am on Thursday the 15th of September Xiaoning remember we went to kid a, a couple years ago oh yes <laughs> and we saw all the different um
1: professions that kids could pretend to yes, do yes and what was depressing was finally everything fit me because <laughs> everything was micro mini size right And i was like oh this fits me this fits me indeed
0: there was and, a little radio station there that it was, it was a little you.
1: radio station it was a bfm station indeed indeed and it was really cute seeing other little kids pretending to be us Yes, yes, indeed. But without having to get up at four in the morning. But never mind, still very cute
0: nonetheless. (laughs) Well, I was thinking about that when I looked at this um, particular article, which is the dark side of being a content creator. And it says that a UK poll in 2019 found that children... Would rather be YouTubers than astronauts, and it reminded me of our Kidzania visit when the manager then said that, yeah, actually we do see a lot of kids coming in asking, oh, oh, we want, can we be the YouTuber? Is there a, a, you know, a section where we could do YouTubes? Which I found very, very. Um interesting it just shows Mm. the changing of the times of what kids want to be Um, so it is seen being a social media influencer as a career not just as something you do for fun or in your
1: free time it's actually it's something that's increasingly attractive for the younger generation well let's take a step back why this is happening not surprising right because we're talking about a whole generation of people growing up with youtube in their face from a very young age two or three years old, and I remember my nephew, he watched countless reviews of toys by this boy, right, in America who had become a millionaire as a result of it. And not that he wanted to be a YouTuber. I think at that stage, he didn't understand it. But it's something, you know, you you, you think, hey, this is normal, right? This is nothing unusual. People can do this. Just whip out your phone because everybody has a smartphone, iPad, and uh, you could create content at home. So it's not... It's not strange, like maybe my generation, we think, what is this all about, you know? I mean, this is so alien. How can you make money from posting a few videos, taking a few pictures and having your kind of whole life on Instagram and TikTok? How do you monetize this? But it is, it is actually can be lucrative, but for a very small segment of people. Not everybody makes money this way. On the surface,
0: it feels so easy, right? It can be done by anybody. Anybody who has a smartphone, who has access to these social media platforms, you too could have the opportunity to be a star, a social media influencer. But it doesn't really work that way because the nice photos that we see on the platform, they they don't really show the effort that goes into curating these kinds of beautiful photos or, or you know popular videos. Actually, a lot of thought and a lot of production go into it and oftentimes it's those with more resources to them that are able to make a success of whatever they
1: post online yeah i mean even in malaysia right of course we've got some very famous influences but how many are there really not that many right so you know it's it's like maybe not not so easy to make the big bucks of what people imagine it to be
0: yeah, I think that actually the competi- competitive landscape for social media influencers is fierce because yeah. everyone wants to get those eyeballs. Yeah, Everyone wants to go viral. And the recipe for going viral, I don't think it's as straightforward as it may appear to be. No. It, it Sometimes it depends on the zeitgeist of the moment. It depends on w- w- just what happens to be in. A lot of it is luck. Um, but at the same time, it's also a constant grind because you consist. You have to constantly be churning up new content, something new for people to see. And I think that can get really
1: tiring um, for anybody. And the other thing to consider in this article, which is from the BBC, which talks about this influencer and, and the dark side of it, is that influencers, and this is interesting because I never thought about this, influencers are also at the mercy Of algorithms, right? Because they post their content on social media, and the -the behind-the-scenes computer programs, these algos, actually determine which posts are shown in which order to users. And we don't really know how these algo works, right? So sometimes they work against you. You might have the best content, but it could be buried, Um, and you know, so people never see it. And how do you then get ahead of the game? It's it's that gam it's a there's a gambling
0: element to it unfortunately. Um, another thing that uh, that reading this article made me realize is just how much of it is unregulated. Mm. It's freelance work essentially, and with freelancing, d- it doesn't come with the usual social uh, security protections that those in stable or formal employment have. So yeah. that's another risk that you need to consider mm. before you before you make
1: this a career. Yeah, no SOXO, no EPF, uh, no health insurance. You have to go and get all these things yourself. Now the last thing which I think is very interesting is the mental health crisis from being an influencer because if depending on what kind of influencer you are a lot of your life then becomes public fodder um is that necessarily a good thing and it, then does that mean there's no separation between your work and then your life so for example here at bfm okay so i'm on radio from six to nine thirty but when it's finished at 10 o'clock. I have work to do, but I still have to go home. And then my life, what I do at home, which includes washing the toilet and cooking, nobody gets to see that, right? How bad I look. But if you're an influencer, that might be different. I feel
0: like the advent of social media has really changed the whole who can become famous, right? Before this, we were kind of constricted by the idea that, oh, you only have 15 minutes of fame um, on television or through print. But now it's, you could have unending fame but at what cost, like you said, Xiaoning. So a lot of um, factors really need to go into a decision to make this a full-time career. I'm not
1: saying it's not a good career. For some people, it will be very lucrative. And for some people, it comes naturally and they have a long runway. But I think it's a hard career.
0: Indeed. Tell us what you think. Uh, Are you a social media influencer? And how have you found um, making an income or livelihood from this act? Do you have kids who want to be social media influencers? What do you tell them? Uh, You can WhatsApp us 018-789-8899 or tweet us at BFM Radio. It's 6.25 in the morning. We are heading into the 6.30 a.m. News Bulletin. We'll come back after that with a look at what's making global headlines. Meanwhile, here's Phoenix with If I Ever Feel Better to take you to the news. BFM 89.9. BFM 89.9. That was Metronomy with Right on Time. Right on Time indeed at 6.40am on Thursday, the 15th of September. I'm Shazana Mukhtar with Wong Xiaoning. We're the morning run. Uh, it's the time of morning where we take a look at what's making headlines around the world. I think everyone's really following what's happening with um, the, Queen, uh, the Queen's funeral procession in London. Uh, I believe she has arrived in the city and is currently lying in state at Westminster Abbey be
1: where she'll be, where her uh, remains will be until the funeral next week. Yeah, that will be on Monday, the 19th of September, right? That's the official funeral. Uh, apparently, lines to go into Westminster Abbey are as long as two and a half miles, uh, four kilometres or thereabouts, going back all the way to London Bridge. So I think uh, s- many people in the UK have this sense of sentimentality about the Queen, right? Because really that's the only monarch they've ever known. Uh, she's been on the throne for 70 years. Uh, But I think other news that's caught my eye is actually Xi Jinping has been on a little bit of a world tour. Well, not world tour. He's left China, which is a bit of a surprise. He's actually uh, travelled to Kazakhstan for a state visit. His first foreign trip in nearly 1,000 days. Indeed.
0: I mean, it's quite uh, significant given that he has been homebound or, you know, just at least (laughs) homeland bound for the past two years. Well, they are the
1: country with the zero COVID policy, right? Indeed. Indeed.
0: and he has, uh, he'll be attending the Shanghai Cooperation Organization Summit that's taking place in Samarkand, I believe. Um, but also he'll be meeting with a bunch of other uh, countries under that rubric. Mm. Um, and I, th- I think crucially, he will be meeting with President uh, Vladimir Putin as well. And that's something that the world is watching, especially given what's happening with the war in Ukraine currently and just the uh, seeming change of the tides there between Russian and Ukraine
1: forces. I think everyone's just wondering... Which which way the dice is going to roll. And uh, he's actually meeting Vladimir Putin, not so much in Kazakhstan, but in Uzbekistan. So he's doing like two little country visits. Uh, What will come out of it? We will uh, keep you updated if there's anything significant, right? Uh, But other international news which caught my eye actually is that there's a new um, party in charge of Sweden. Mm. And this one is unusual to me. Because the Social Democratic Party considered defeats in recent elections. So the Prime Minister said that she will resign on Thursday. And what has replaced the Social Democratic Party is actually right-wing parties, which scored a three-seat majority. In my mind, I always think Scandinavian countries as being more left, more liberal, so I was really surprised by this. Indeed. And the
0: fact that the, um, I guess the difference was actually really close. Like you mentioned, it was really just three seats different be- between the two blocks. So uh, I think the uh, block of right-wing parties, uh, it's a coalition of different parties. Mm. Yeah, You've got the moderate party, you've got the Sweden Democrats, which is a far-right party. Yeah, and they are anti-immigrant, right? But they managed to get the second largest number of votes. That was the platform that uh, this block ran on. They really ran on the uh, immigration issue, uh, integration issues, I think gang Issues as well that has managed to capture uh, the majority share of the vote, and this is actually a switch um, since 1930, because for all that time Sweden has been um, run by the uh, Social Democrats, which is her, which is the uh, party of Magdalena Andersson. So now that the centre-left coalition has left the government, mm-hmm. it's going to be interesting to see what happens to Sweden moving forward and whether the current uh, right-wing coalition can
1: actually make, uh, you know, make inroads into what they want. Yeah, and we're seeing this increasingly more across European countries, right, where Maybe the right wing parties don't become government, but they certainly make headway in terms of capturing a larger percentage of the votes, like what we saw in France, for example. Absolutely. Um, And the other thing I want to highlight is, of course, the Ukraine president Zelensky made a a little bit of a surprise visit to Izium, which was actually the city that has just been recently liberated during Ukraine's recent counter offensive. And he has promised to free all Russian occupied territories including the Crimea, the peninsula annexed by Russia in 2014.
0: All right, developments there that we'll be keeping tabs on. One more quick headline that I spotted in Bloomberg. Indonesia's President Joko Widodo could extend his time in government by running for the Vice President Post in 2024. So don't forget, he's already held the President presidential post for two terms already constitutionally he cannot run again but there's nothing barring him for for trying for the number two post instead so I thought that was very uh, that's a curious development I'll be watching this very closely to see if it actually pans out
1: yeah I see doing a Putin kind of thing where I do believe that uh, Vladimir Putin
0: did do something similar with Dmitry Medvedev they swapped roles for a time before uh, Putin came back to the role of president was he ever not in charge (laughs) is the question really 645 in the morning we are heading into some messages and when we come back we'll take a look at what's making headlines in our local newspapers and portals stay tuned BfM 89.9 BFM 89.9, that was the martinis with free. You are listening to The Morning Run 651 in the morning on Thursday, the 15th of September. I'm Shazana Mokhtar with Wong Xiaoning. Earlier this morning, we were talking about uh, social media influencers becoming a more prominent career. Mm. We do have a message from June. She messaged via WhatsApp to point out that uh, there's also the
1: comments. Not all are positive. Yeah, People can be so mean on social media. Right? A lot of body shaming, criticism. Why do you look this way? Why do you say these things? And they're all hurtful. So, yeah, that's the other dark side of being a content creator on any social media platform. How true. Indeed. All right, we are taking a
0: look at what's uh, making the headlines of our local newspapers and portals. What do you have in
1: front of you, Xiao I have um, Op Ed Peace by Wong Chun Wai, who is, of course, uh, the editor of. Uh, the star and it's a comment on comment on the recent charge uh, against two editors at the edge and I think he has highlighted some very interesting points which I, I agree. Uh, so his point is that you know fast forward to 2022 after the the two articles were written. He wants to know, uh, no one named by the H has been arrested nor charged by the Malaysian authorities. and bear in mind that article was very specific had a lot of details in it, named individuals who allegedly uh, conducted stock manipulation. So he says why haven't they why hasn't there been any investigation instead, the police are now investigating and charging the editors who wrote this article who actually, it's it's almost as if you know you are blaming someone who's tr- who's actually carrying out their responsibility as a good media organization to highlight what's happening in the market it's like shooting the messenger, yeah. In a way, not it's sort
0: of. Uh, but I think these are questions that everyone, um, that many uh, observers are asking. Um, they, I, the other uh, media-related development we were discussing yesterday was also the change in leadership at the New Straits Times. Um, I think this, alongside with the Edge uh, criminal defamation case, has drawn a lot of questions on the uh, media freedom, on the state of media freedom in the country. Um, I think the Prime Minister has come out to rebut any. Um, allegations that there's been government interference although he hasn't really commented much beyond that Mm. Uh, he's just said that the government does not interfere Uh, we will really have to
1: see whether that plays out in the days ahead that was reported in the malay mail right so uh, he basically was quoted as saying we meaning the government have never interfered in the media the media have the freedom as long as the reporting is accurate and credible and this is why he told reporters after attending uh, an event. But he did not really comment directly on either the editorial leadership change at the News Race Times nor the criminal defamation charges against the two journalists at The itch.
0: And we are going to be talking more about the legal, the, the laws behind criminal defamation, what that looks like, how's that that's going to play out later on when we speak to criminal lawyer Srikanth Pillay after the 7.30am News Bulletin. But indeed, these are both developments of concern that we should be watching
1: closely yeah um, other news is I think coming out from uh, our Chief Justice, who has basically said that judges must adhere to the Constitution, uphold the law, Tunku Maimun, and this is an article in the uh, Malaysian Insight. She basically mentioned this during her speech at the uh, reference proceedings held today to honour the memory of the former Lord President, the late Muhammad Saleh Abbas, which she says was the darkest chapter in the history of Malaysia jud- judiciary. As its independence uh, was actually questioned, because it was the first time we ever saw a Lord President removed. Mm, Indeed, I think that has left a dark spot. Um, And really, we are kind of,
0: we felt the repercussions of it over the decades past. I think we're still trying to recover and and strengthen the uh, judicial institution. Once again, you know it's a long process, uh, something that we need to keep working on. Um, Very quickly, I do see another political-related headline. Uh, The Prime Minister has said that a meeting of the top five leaders of UMNO to discuss the 15th general election that was supposed to be held on Saturday has been postponed to a later date. Uh, So these kinds of discussions are being closely watched because everybody wants to know when the next GE15 will be Mm, called. But
1: remember... PM hasn't talked to the leaders about this. And he's not talking to them on Saturday. Yeah, yeah, I'm sure they haven't talked about GE15 at all. (laughs) Uh, Very quickly, star headline, uh, Rina smacked over videos. And I think we've seen that uh, circulating on social media where there was tasteless talk by an actor, demeaning women, I would say, and uh, questions about why our minister, uh, you know, just basically was part of it. Didn't see anything. Both the actor Rosham Nor as well as um, Minister Data Sherina Harun
0: have come out to rebut allegations that they uh, were demeaning towards women. I think it's uh, wise, or you know, watch, read, the watch the video. Watch the re- watch the video. Watch their comments, um, mm-hmm. and I think we can make um our. Our judgments in that. Uh, But it is 6.56 in the morning. We are heading into the 7 a.m. News Bulletin and then after that we'll check out how global markets closed. Uh, Here is A Wonderful World, Beautiful People by Jimmy Cliff to take you to the news. BFM 89.9. You have been listening to a podcast
1: from BFM 89.9 The Business Station. For more stories of the same kind, download the BFM app.